Hello, everyone. How are you doing? This is Aaron Maurer here with another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. As many of you know, I started a, a new segment to the podcast this year, one that kind of helped me streamline my reading, improve my reading habits, um, and more importantly, start to connect with other people who have a passion for reading and just want to have conversations around books. And so um, in January of, of this year, we broke down the book, The Happiness Advantage, uh, with some colleagues of mine that I work with, and that kind of bled over into two amazing episodes. So if you haven't seen or listened to that podcast, definitely worth checking out. And and this month here, we are here with um, a, a new guest to the show, but not a, a new guest to my life, uh, someone who I have a huge amount of respect and, and honor and, and just so excited to actually have this opportunity to talk books because her and I have spent many, many years talking books behind the scenes and in person we get a chance to come together. So really, really excited to uh, bring this guest on, onto the show. And so Nancy, why don't we start um, by just having you introduce yourself, explain um, what it is you do and all that good stuff. And then we'll get into the uh, meat and potatoes of this uh, book, Atomic Habits by uh, James Clear. Okay. Thank you, Aaron. Um, my name is Nancy Peterson, and I work for a hands-on education company, Pitsco Education. Hopefully, most of your listeners have heard of us before, but um, kind of the way that I got to come to know Aaron is that one of the jobs that I've done for quite some time here at Pitsco is in the Educator Insights area and doing market research. And back in 2011, uh, when we had a joint venture with Lego Education, I worked with the the team at that time to create our first customer advisory board. And Aaron was one of our members in the third year of the existence of the Lego Education Advisory Panel. And then um, Pitsco also has a, an advisory group, teacher advisory group. And once I uh, started took over the um, managing of that particular group, I right away reached out to Aaron and said, hey, do you want to come along and, and help us here? And our uh, teachers give us input on products as they're being developed. Uh, they give us ideas for activities, uh, get involved in some of the marketing activities. So uh, through the years, Aaron has been a, a great resource for us to go to to get ideas on how we can improve the products that we have here at Pitsco. But on personal note, I love to read. Um, Aaron is aware of that, as is anybody who spends any time around me at all, because usually I can work a book into almost any conversation that you have with anybody. And books are so important to me that um, a few was uh, I have two granddaughters. Um, first one was born in 2018, the second in 2019. And so I have now become an author, not not published beyond, <laughs> uh, but I have created five different board books for my granddaughters. And then also I wrote a uh, family history after interviewing my dad and my aunt. I was able to share that with the family last year. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so I know, I mean um... – appreciate all the kind words and i know that back when when we first met 
Jeez, that's, that's almost 10 years ago now when we were mm -hmm. together for the Lego and playing with all different products and all that good stuff. I remember in your presentation, you had referenced so many books. And I remember like right away, I was like, oh, I, this is somebody that I know that I'm going to get along very well with because I am a, an avid reader. And, and part of this kind of podcast series is for me to kind of reduce the amount of to-be-read books on my bookshelves. And so um, so excited to have a chance to uh, dive deep into some books here with you um, on, on this particular uh, podcast episode. And for this one, we're taking a look at Atomic Habits by, by James Clear, um, a book that probably most of us have at least seen come through our social media streams or book suggestions for anyone that is a book reader. Um, it's been around for a couple of years, since 2018. Um, and, and basically the whole premise of this book boiled down to about 10, 15 seconds is how our, our tiny behaviors and making small changes um, can help us create habits to be much more successful and, and, and happy in life. And so before we kind of break down each of the four laws and, and things like that, I mean, I, I am curious, uh, Nancy, as, as you were reading through this and you've read all sorts of books um, of all types of things, what were your initial thoughts about this book when you were reading or, or when you finished up? I mean, did, did you find it to be a, a powerful read um, or, or what were some of your kind of just broad perspectives of this book when, when, when you were reading and when you finished up? Well, it's definitely one of those books that you're going to want to read over and over again, uh, because there's so much good stuff that you can pull out of it. But one of the first things that, that, that came to mind as I was starting to read the book, um, years ago, I heard John Maxwell speak at a conference. And he talked about when he was growing up, his parents didn't want him to grow up to be the trash kid or the trash man that carries out the trash. They wanted him to have a job where he used books. And so they would pay him to read books instead of taking out the trash. And he talked about a book that um, he had read back when he was in the sixth grade called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And he said it made such an impact on him that he has read it every year since then. So, of course, I had to go get the book and read it. And <laughs> yeah, it, it talks a lot about your mind and what you think about. And as I started into Atomic Habits, it brought back that memory that if we, whatever we're thinking about is what we're going to act out because we always think, well, most times we think through things before we actually do things. And as I was reading the first few chapters in Atomic Habits, he talked about your identity and is who do you want to become? And it's not so much about, okay, what kind of habits do I want to have when I grow up? It's who do I want to be when I grow up? And of course, well, grown up, but I'm never to the point that I don't want to keep being and doing something more or different than what I've done in the past. So it brought back some of those memories about pay attention to what you're thinking about. Yeah, I agree. And I know early on in, in, the, in the beginning chapters of this book, too, um, the things that really gravitated towards me. I had read this book when it came out in 2018, um, and I was reading it again, and I found myself agreeing with some of the highlights and notes that I had scribbled on in the in, in the book. And we were talking before the recording, I actually have the hard copy of this book, not the Kindle book, which is um, a whole separate conversation of, of how we prefer to read. But I found it interesting because there was parts that I had highlighted from where I was in my life in 2018 that when I was reading it this time, I'm like, well, I just don't 
know why I highlighted that. And then there was, you know, like new new parts of the book that I didn't mark up that I was scribbling notes going, oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. And so to me, this is one of those books that's worth reading um, more than once. I agree because I, depending on where you are in your journey, I think there's different parts of the book that's going to stand out to you. Um, you know, and, and early on, to me, the biggest thing that stood out before he gets into his his four laws of, of you know, making these these tiny gains in life is this idea of falling in love with the process versus goals. And this Mm -hmm. is always something that for me, I always, I always seem to like change depending on what I read. I'll I'll read a book about creating goals and I'm like, yes, that makes sense. And then I, I read like a book like, like atomic habits and I'm like, okay, the goals. Yeah. Maybe it is more about the process. And I think back to when I was training for races and, and marathons and triathlons, like I was always training so hard for this goal. And once I got there, like, I still felt empty. And so mm-hmm. now here I here I am now at a different stage of my life where I'm not racing, but I see a need for exercise and I struggle with it because I have to retrain my brain to uh, fall in love with the process versus a a goal, so to speak. I have to, you know, because I, I try to pick up the exercise and I realize I'm a little heavier than what I used to be. I'm a little slower, not as strong. And I'm, I'm judging myself by my former self versus like fall in love with the process versus like, because every day is going to make you better. You're, you're going to sleep better. You're going to be healthier. You're going to live longer, you know, all those types of things. And so he had in there on that chart too. And then I, I'm curious about some of your thoughts on this as well, that that idea like of that power of tiny gains, right? The idea of getting 1% better every day or, you know, for a year, you can end up 37% times better. Right. If you get 1% worse each day for a year, you declare, you decline almost down to zero. And to me, that was a strong message throughout this book. Like you have to work so hard to keep the positive, but it's very easy to lose it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, oh man, you know, it's so it is about the process and not just kind of checking in when you feel good. Right. It's, it's that little by little um, concept that you, you don't get there all at one time. It takes a little every day to get to where you're going to be. One of the um, things that I highlighted in those first couple of chapters that just continues to resonate with me um, is this idea of what would a healthy person do and just change out that word healthy with whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish mm. and, and say, what would blank do? And then if that's what blank would do, that's what I should be doing if I want to get to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. And there were so many things that he had in the book that are very actionable and, and that, you know, the kind of those, uh, trigger phrases that stick with you that come back to mind as you're um, going through your day to stop and ask yourself, what would a healthy person do? Would a healthy person eat the dessert or would a healthy person get up and go for a walk at the end of the meal instead of eating dessert? So right. it's just little things. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that does kind of segue into the, the first law that he talks about, which is like making it obvious. And so using that, you know, what would a healthy person do? Or like you said, fill in the blanks with whatever it is you're trying to strive to be better. And, you know, that first step, it seems so obvious when I, when I, when I read it, obviously the law is make it obvious. And as I'm reading through that stuff, I'm like, yeah, like the environment and, and making things easy is like so dumb, but yet we don't do it enough you know i think Mm -hmm. about trying to make these shifts within my own life like for me i'm trying to like 
declutter the amount of stuff I have in the house because I'm always so tired of making a mess and then picking it up. And as opposed to like wasting time constantly picking up, how about I just get rid of the stuff that I don't really need? You know, if it's not there, it can't be messy. Yeah, um, I know so a lot of times I find myself that if the countertops, the, the area that you can see starting to get stuff on it, it's time to clean out the cabinets because there's too much in the cabinet and you're overflowing onto the top of the countertop. So it's time to, to clean out what's underneath, what can't be easily seen, so that what is seen can be put under the countertop. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. And so I, I was, I, I'm curious, because there, there's, a, there's a part in this first law um, that I'm not quite sure, like, I, I, I agree when I read it, but then I struggle with it. And, and so to kind of set some context, he talks about the idea that all behavior is driven by the desire to solve a problem. Like, that's everything we do is all about solving a problem, um, you know, whether we realize it or not. And in this first law of, of making it obvious, he talks about the idea that there are no good or bad habits, only effective habits. And they're effective at solving problems. And... Like I, I, I keep going back and forth on this, and I'm curious. I don't, I don't know if that stuck out to you at all, or, or what your thoughts were um, when you're kind of reading through that, because then he gets into like habit stacking and, and you know, trying to create these, these, these changes, you know, whether in environment or elsewise. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't know if, if that was something that stood out to you. If you had any thoughts on, on that concept, because I'm, there's part of me when I read it, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, and I'm like, but you know what, I do have what I would consider bad habits. And that's obviously what I'm trying to change. It's, it's why I'm, I'm reading this book, you know? And so, um, well, he did talk about doing, having a scorecard where you write down your, what you're doing, just, you know, here's my day and I did this. And then the next thing I did this and just track that and then go back and reflect. Was that something, a positive habit? Was it a negative habit or was it neutral? And yeah. I, I didn't necessarily look at it from the problem-solving standpoint as much as I did back to that identity. Is this mm. habit going to get me to who I want to be, or is it not going to get me to who I want to be, or does it really not matter? And if it's not getting me to that identity, <clears throat> excuse me, the identity that I want to have, then I need to figure out a way to get that out of my um, out of my day so that it's not habit any longer so that I can get to the point that I want to get to. So I guess that could be a problem to solve. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like for me, I know one thing I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to keep track of my habits. Uh, I'm trying to eliminate some and then add what I, what I would consider positive habits in my life. You know, it's so like one of the things I, I used that kind of habit stacking formula and that statement of, you know, after my current habit, I will, you know, build it out. So for me, one of the things I was trying to do is drink more water. And so um, I've been pretty successful at this. And I just said, after brewing a pot of coffee, I will drink two full glasses of water. So I'm just trying to build that like, into my habit that every day I'm starting off my day drinking water because it's something that I wasn't doing enough of. And mm -hmm. as, as simple as that is, it has really, really paid off and just giving myself, okay, so I was successful every day in January. So now where does that take me next as I'm trying to move into, you know, a, a healthy, more sustainable life. But I had to start there of just simply making a, a goal to drink water. And I'm like, this just seems so dumb this is what i have to do but it has paid off huge because i've been successful now for you know the time of this recording a month and a half being, by being able to do that and then i have an x where i just have like this this i have a, a, a notebook where i've been marking that off do i drink water in the morning and i'm just like boom 
you know, and just trying to build those, once again, these tiny little habits um, that are going to hopefully help me, you know, kind of feel better about life moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something else that kind of stood out to me from this, this book was the, what the, he called the point in Paul. Yeah. To, I, I think it was what the Japanese train stations where they would write something and then speak what was being done. And yes. in my mind, I kind of referred to it as talking out loud to myself. <laughs> I am going to go get a bottle of water and, and drink that now, or I am going to get up off the couch and go do this so that you're, you're hearing yourself reinforcing what you want yourself to be doing. That, that really stuck out to me. Yeah, that stood out to me. And I think part of that too, like it's, everything's about, about thinking through things with, with intention. And so the other part of that too, that kind of that builds on that was that idea of like our environment, you know, and how are we creating environments to support our habits? And I've been thinking a lot about this in the education landscape. Um, I've been spending a lot of time in schools, like rethinking learning space design. Like, what are we doing in our environment? If we say we want kids to be collaborative, what does the environment suggest? If we have desk in rows, we're not suggesting collaboration. You know, and it's so it's, it's, it's been to me, this book's been fascinating because I've been able to apply it both in my personal life as well as like my professional life of like, where are these triggers and, and what are these things that how do we help make these things more obvious? And so to me, a lot of these things are they're across the board regardless of, of who we are or what we do for a job, you know, and I just keep trying to think through these, this book in these different lenses and I continue to find these connection points all the time in everything that I'm doing. Well, you know, if you do rearrange your environment, it does cause your brain to start looking at things differently. And, and this law about making it obvious, it's all those cues that are in your environment that when I see this, myself to respond in this manner so changing up the environment that we're in is is going to cause our our brain to stop and say hey there's something different here i don't know exactly what i'm supposed to do next and that will make me curious and cause me to want to do some um uh, about what am i what am i doing next what's the next step in this new environment that i'm in yeah, and you know, as as we think about kind of restructuring the environment a little bit, it it does kind of naturally flow. I think this whole book just kind of flows in itself pretty seamlessly into his second law, that idea of you know making it attractive. So if we are going to make some changes and adjustments um, to our environment or or to our habits or to our routines, part of that, in order for it to stick, where it's not just like yay, I, I did this for for two days, now I can celebrate and stop doing it, is we have to make these things attractive. And so when, when you were kind of unearthing law to hear about making it attractive, what were some things that really stood out to you in, in this part of the book in terms of helping to, you know, kind of create this, this positive change in our lives? I think that this section kicked off about talking about the, I think it was mice and the dopamine in their brains and when the dopamine, when, when they were uh, sedated to a point that, that, that there was no pleasure, that they pretty much gave up the desire to want to live. And so having rewards or knowing that something positive is um, is coming my way if I respond in a certain manner, that causes the dopamine in your brain to start triggering and it brings that excitement. So you start craving to want to be able to do that, what, whether it's a good habit or a bad habit. It's the, the chemical uh, triggering in your brain that are causing you to want to do certain things. Yeah, yeah. And I. 
So this one I found um, has really resonated with me quite a bit. I, I just finished up a, another book. Um, it was by the U.S. Olympic uh, women's soccer coach from several years ago, back when Mia Hamm was still playing, called Catch Them Being Good. And it was all his, his coaching philosophy around focusing on the positive, you know, which is um, something that, especially in, in the sports world, we spend so much time critiquing all the things that are wrong. How do we make, you know, and focusing on that. And his philosophy was completely different. And I think about the same thing there of like working with, with, with youth sports. I coached my daughter's team and things like that. And we just had like a little banquet. And, and a lot of these things were, they were thanking me just for like believing in them. But really it, it made me come back to this law quite a bit, this idea of making it attractive. Like if I want to inspire them to create new habits for our basketball team on our basketball court, like we have to make it attractive. And so it's just constantly trying to help them see the value in it and being, you know, positive. And this whole thing isn't about necessarily being positive, but just like the minute, you know, the more dopamine, I guess, that we I can get instilled into my player's brain, like, oh my gosh, you're doing great work. Like they're more willing to keep coming back to practice, you know, versus if we spend all their time focusing on the bad, like after a while, it's like, why would I want to do that? Mm -hmm. um, and so this wall really resonated a lot with me from, from that that angle of helping people, you know, celebrate the actions that are going to help move people forward. Because I think so much of what we do, we, you know, I think about education, we look at, at, at the numbers and, and the negative numbers, uh, schools aren't proficient, kids aren't proficient, what are we going to do versus like, let's look at the good and, and let's run with the good and, and those types of things. To me, I was like, we need, we need to have some more of this because I think it's so easy to be so critical of ourselves and, and, and others and it just doesn't make you want to actually truly do a whole lot of change when it, you feel crummy all the time yeah he, he talked in here about uh bundling something that you want to stop doing with something or something that you want to start doing that you did for you with something that you're already doing and you talked about you want to drink more water so you bundled that together with making because that was already a habit you had of making a pot of coffee yep Bundling together what I want to do makes you start craving coffee when you were craving water when you make a pot of coffee. And so it, it brings that whole craving idea um, to the surface that if we want to to start um, incorporating some of those good habits that that will get us to where we want to be with an identity, we need to look at what we're already doing and what can we tack on to that that's going to get me to where I'm going. Vice versa. If I'm doing things that I don't want to do, then what do I need to be putting in place of that to make me uh, remind myself that I don't want to be doing that any longer? Yeah, and I think when we look at this too, I think one of the more powerful parts of this law too was when he was, I mean, this whole thing's about motivation and how do we stay motivated, like when the things we want to do kind of go against the grain maybe of societal expectations or those that we surround ourselves with and and we've heard this kind of rule or law before right you know you, you are the the result of the the five people you surround yourself with most or you know look at who your friend circle is we, we, we this stuff is nothing new here but he talked about the example of like chimpanzees um like when they discover an effective way to learn a, to crack a nut with one group and then if they move that chimpanzee to another group that has a less effective way 
the chimp that actually has the more successful way will not use it like because they want to fit in so bad and i just keep thinking about this idea of of peer pressure and how do we do that like how do we stay strong to these habits we want to change when everyone around you um is is doing what you're trying to get away from and to me that is the hardest thing like i was just thinking of like trying to eat healthy and the other night we went out for dinner and and with some friends and a concert and i completely splurged because everybody bought appetizers and i'm like i'm not gonna be the only one who doesn't eat you know and so like you find yourself and, and you just start to i just start to notice all these little nuances of of where these habits are like in many routines of my life and it's like okay so how do you work through that like they weren't forcing the, you know, the uh, onion rings down my throat, but yet I was so compelled to eat. Um, I don't know. I, I just find that fascinating too, because I think it's one thing for me to be able to drink water while I wait for my coffee to brew. It's a whole nother beast when I'm out with people and you have like the, the social context that come with it or with kids dealing with, with, with peer pressure. Right. So we, we want to surround our, our, we want to surround ourselves with people that are going to be doing the things that we want to do. He he uh, had a quote in the book about most days would rather be wrong with the crowd than be right by ourselves. And yes. you're exactly right when you say that we crave that belonging and we have to be the only one at the table that's not partaking of the appetizer because that draws attention to us and maybe in a way that we don't want that to be drawn. Yeah, yeah. And I know like for me too, I was thinking like one of the things that I'm starting up um, like next week for me too is like I'm trying to get myself around people who are like doing the things that I want to do and so I've kind of gotten away from that and you know like for me like we talked about that bundling of the action like I've been trying to get like back to the gym and I went like three weeks ago and I felt so out of place. I haven't returned. Like I was just like, I can't do this. Like, and I was like, and I used to be like the person that was in there, like throwing the weights around, like, Hey, look at me, you know? And now I was like so intimidated. And so I've had to like rethink through this bundling of, of, of stuff here. And so now I'm trying to like, I have exercise bike. I have my bike on a, that I, that I used to train on and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to watch Netflix, but I, I have to ride my bike if I, if I want to watch Netflix, you know, and just trying to rethink these bundling of actions so that when I'm ready to move, build some confidence that way. So that when I do move myself back into the societal things, like of going back to the gym, you know, I'm not going to be so overwhelmed or, or feel you know, less than, which I know I shouldn't, but it happens. And so sometimes I think it's like, sometimes we have to start with just ourselves internally before we can actually make those societal changes, you know? And I think if I can get back in that routine of exercising and taking care of myself, I think the next time I go out, out to dinner, it's going to be easier for me to say, no, I'm, I pass on the onion rings because I've mm -hmm. now built in, you know, my own system that I know is, is starting to work. Yeah, bring me a salad to munch on while everybody else is eating the onion rings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he talked in the book about uh, some guy that wired a bike to power his computer so that he could watch Netflix. And so the only way he could watch Netflix was to be riding his bike. And I was like, I need to get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the next uh, Pitsco product here. I think, yeah, I think you're on to something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I think this this law here really resonates a lot with I think a lot of things that people do struggle with um, in terms of like trying to make some of these these changes that we know that that, that we want to do. And so, uh, you know, as I thought through that stuff, I'm like, okay, I'm reading this; it makes sense. But I know that I I still struggle there. 
that's where I thought this third law um, that he calls, you know, make it easy has, for me, I've started to see the, the biggest bang for the buck and, and, and starting to see some change in my own life, both in my professional life and my personal life, you know, that idea of, you know, and I think this speaks volumes so much in education and and i don't know maybe it does in the the business side of world too where he says uh, in in law three of making it easy that we we're so focused on figuring out the best approach that we never get around to taking action Mm -hmm. and i feel like that right there is like the bane of my existence when it comes to education we will meet and talk about everything but we will never actually move into action um and so, you know, as you were coming through that, that make it easy, that law three, and you were thinking about these other laws, uh, what were some of your, 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 your key takeaways in this law? I, the whole idea of removing friction and making something as easy as possible. I'll give examples of things that I've done recently that, um, that have made it easy because of, of how simple it is. One of them uh, is journaling, and it's something that I've done off and on for years, but you get to the point that you think, oh, gosh, if I'm going to journal, it's going to take a whole lot of time and I'm going to get sidetracked and not be able to get the work done that I need to get done. So you you say well, tomorrow or the next day or the next day. And before you know it, you've you stop journaling. And I, I listened to Daniel Pink. I've read most of his books and he had a, a video clip last summer where he talked about um, having a that he wrote in every night and it was just like three sentences. I bought one of those journals and, and every night it's, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a whole lot of journaling, but it's a few ideas every day that I write. Down. I do it before I go to bed and it's, it's right there um, by my chair in the, in the family room. So that's the last thing that I do is I'm getting ready to close down for the evening. I grab that book, uh, write a few notes for the day and, and off I go. So, and you know, most people are going to start a journal that's a 30, 365 day journal on the first day of the year. I started mine, I think, on August 1st, and it's like, okay, so there's seven months in there that are empty for the, the first uh, first seven months of the year, but big deal. It's my journal. I'll do it the way that I want to. I just made it easy for me to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, and it reminds me a lot, too, as you're talking about that, it, it reminds me of uh, he's got that diagram of, of the habit line. That's I think that's, that's also in this section here where the more repetitions we, we have of a habit – at some point you reach this, what he called the habit line where it just starts to become automatic, you know? And so by this idea here of keeping it easy, if it's easy and we can keep doing it on a daily basis, at some point it just becomes automatic. Like we don't think twice about it. So I've been, I don't, I've been doing something similar. I write in the morning and I just try to write down one sentence of, um, what I'm grateful for. What was I grateful for the day before? And I only mm-hmm. give myself one line of paper. Like I keep, so I can't write a whole story. Right. So I do that. And then I'm asking, did I drink water? Did I take my vitamin? Like my whole morning routine is, is literally should take no more than 90 seconds. And that's including drinking the water, you know, like, and so I'm trying to get it to the point where a year ago I tried to do a, like bullet journaling and I was doing all this drawing and all these markers and colors. And then after about two weeks I was like this is this this is work <laughs> like and, and and therefore it stopped and so right. it's this idea of okay just make this easy what's one thing you're grateful for did you drink water did you take your vitamin done mm-hmm. um, you know which is very similar to, to, to what you're you're talking about there and I think right. even even in here too I think um 
I'm pretty sure it was this section too where he talked about like the two minute rule that when you're right. starting that when you're starting a new habit it should take less than two minutes to do mm -hmm. um, and I think you know he talked about the gym like if you go to the gym five days a week even if you're just walking into the gym and not even exercising like you're still building the habit right um, and, and to, the, yeah. the phrase that really stood out to me from this section is the phrase you got to show up if you're going to do something and yeah. you know don't gym if i don't ever step in the gym i'm not ever going to exercise but if i show up i'm going to exercise yeah again as i referred to that other um phrase earlier this is one of those that throughout the day it's like what would a healthy person do show up <laughs> yep yep yeah i mean so it's almost i mean in some ways it's kind of like a mantra, isn't it? Like, you know, what would a healthy person do? Like figure out kind of what's that phrase going to be that's going to be your, your, your trigger and um, to help you kind of stay on course or the task. And I know for me, actually, I was just as we were, we had our, our team meeting last night with, with the girls' basketball team, and in this section two, he talks about the idea of like just one more minute, you know, and he talks about the idea that the average person spends about two hours a day on social media. And so if you were to take that and compound that over the course of a year, that's over 600 hours per year that we could get of time and just thinking about like what could we do with that time like we all have a something in our life that that we waste time on and sometimes we need it you know and so if it's not social media maybe it's this or that or, or the other and so I was thinking about myself like okay I always say I don't have time but you do it's just not a level of importance that you're making time for it. So how do you shift your use of time to be able to reach, you know, the, the, the habits that you're trying to build within your life? You know, a couple of years ago, I, I, I had an iPad, but I haven't used it in quite some time because the only thing I was using it for was to play games. Mm. And I, I found myself uh, drawn to, okay, I get home, sit down after supper, the first thing I do and I could play games mindlessly for the entire evening. And that was the year that the number of books that I read went down. And when I got to reflecting back on it, I was like, okay, this, this is not where you want to end up. This is not how you want to spend your time. So I uh, took all the games off the iPad and put the iPad away because that's the only thing I was using it for. And I haven't touched my iPad in probably a year. Mm. It was, it was a, a habit that wasn't good for me. And he talks quite a bit in this section about um, setting up your environment so that the triggers are gone. And he I, I don't know if it was this book or another one that I was listening to that talked about taking the batteries out of your remote control television so that when you get home, it's going to take you time to find the batteries to put back in your remote control to turn the TV on. And by the time you've gone through all of that hassle, there's probably something else that you would rather do anyway. So that it's just that barrier that keeps you from going down that path of things that you don't that that path that you don't want to go down yeah i mean as he has an article on his blog um titled motivations overvalued environment often matters more and it's an article um that fits perfectly with what you just said um that i share with people all the time because we always talk about this idea of motivation and and um, you know, frankly, I just don't quite believe in it. Like, like if we're waiting to always be motivated, if I, I know I keep talking about like my, my youth team that I'm coaching, but we were talking to the girls, we were struggling with 
getting off to a good start in basketball games. And so we sat around in one practice. We're like, why is this happening? And how are we going to solve it? And they're, I was like, what can we do? And they're like, you need to call a timeout faster or, or you need to get angry with us sooner. Or, you know, all these things are about things that I need to be doing as a coach. Cause I'm not one that gets angry or we just work through the process. Okay. So here we are, what are we going to do next? And I told them, I was like, the fact that you need to be motivated by an external force in this case, me as a coach for me to either like yell or call a timeout or sub you out of the game. Like we're missing the point here. Like we're, you know, like this, that's, not going to help you in the long run of, of, of life beyond the basketball court. Like how do we create these conditions? You know? So, so for a lot of us, for me, as we started to reflect, it was, it wasn't so much, maybe, well, maybe it's, it, it fits on our environment, but like, as we started our practices, we always start our practices off kind of slow where we would do some just very s- small fundamental work or this or that. And that same kind of thing was transferring over into the games. And so now we've been trying to rethink how do we shift the beginning of our practices so to a higher caliber so that the same thing, so it starts to transfer over into the games. And I think about that with, with the environment. I was just joking with my wife, actually. My, my youngest is selling Girl Scout cookies. So like right now my environment is full of these boxes of, <laughs> <laughs> of all the things I shouldn't eat. And so my we were just talking like, God, we got to eat healthier food. I'm like, well, that's really easy to do. We just buy healthy food. And it, by, by the process of elimination, you have no choice but to eat it because we're right. going to get hungry, you know? And so if, if we change your environment, it, it, the, the, the habits come with it. Like, as opposed to saying, I'm going to buy a whole entire thing of Oreos and I'm going to try to use the motivation and my willpower to not eat them. Like that just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And he, I think he talks earlier in the book about, self-control and how really it's not a good strategy. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, 100% on that. And so like it's, as, as, as we look at this, maybe we'll just kind of weave into this, this last law here. Cause he's got kind of like the four key laws um, um, to this. And then we can kind of maybe speak in a, in a, in a broader picture here is the last law he has is, is making it satisfying. Um, you know, that like what is rewarded is, is repeated. And so as we kind of think about these laws, I think they, they do kind of stack on each other of making it obvious and we have to make it attractive and then make sure that it's easy. The last thing is we want to make sure that it's satisfying, that it feels good. Um, you know, when, when we're making these behavior changes, um, how do you how do you see this law um, in comparison to these others? Were things there were there things out of this one that that stood out to you, um, like like other parts of it, or did you see it just kind of like the culmination of the other three? You know, I, I've used this phrase quite a bit through the years that who I am today is a result of the decisions that I made yesterday. And he talks quite a bit in this uh, section on the on the fourth law about how some rewards aren't aren't obvious until later. So, for example, if I work out at the gym, if I eat healthy, if I uh, train for this marathon, then I'm able to run the marathon. And but the reward isn't until you you get to the end. Or if I take a certain amount of money out of my paycheck today, and next paycheck, and the next paycheck, then when I get to uh, the age that I no longer want to be working a full-time job, I will have enough money that I can live off of what I set aside for the future. But it's really hard for us to, to defer some of that because we can't see the immediate reward on that. So uh, being able to create something so that you can see an immediate reward. Uh, you talked about checking off every day that you drank your water, having a, as you know, here's, 
I, I contributed to my 401k this week and this week and this week. I made it automatic so I don't have to think about it. But if there are other things that you do need to consciously do on a day-by-day basis that aren't automatically set up for you like that, having a chart that you can just put an X on or your calendar that you put a sticker or a colored marker to indicate that I showed up here is going to be the reward that you might need to get you to that ultimate reward that you're seeking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those visual cues are, are huge for us. We have to visually see the things happening. And so I think that this is uh, where he talks about like the paperclip example of the, of the guy that was taking a paperclip every time he completed a task and he would take one paperclip from a jar and move it to the other, you know, or you can use marbles or, or whatever it is that works for you. For me, it's that habit tracker. Like I don't want to see an empty square. Like now I'm now, I think it's also Seinfeld kind of had that thing too, where he would write a joke every day and he kind of had, this whole entire grid on his wall, um, you know, so now I'm to the point where I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up, mm-hmm. but I also have to remember that if I do mess it up, it's okay. Like, you know, I think it does kind of bounce back to uh, one of the, the previous laws there that, you know, it's all about staying in motion. And so if I mess up the, the, the routine, you know, or the, the string of events, like, one one event doesn't identify you you know one decision doesn't identify who you are for the rest of your life and so you just have to get back on the saddle and, and just start it up again you know and so i think there there's with this for me i have to make sure that i'm that i'm careful that i don't mess up the streak and then quit thinking that i failed like nope right. it's just today's today's a new day you know and we get back up and we keep going because i think that's also hard for people like when the streak gets broken like oh i just messed up and as opposed to saying, nope, it's just part of the journey. One missed day versus 70 successful days, you know, the positive are outweighing the negative. Right. And tomorrow is a new day and we're going to start a new trend. So you, you don't uh, just give up because you miss a day. You just keep keep in there. He did say never miss twice. If you miss one day, try to get back on track as quickly as possible. And yeah. that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is, comes again. He had the stuff at the beginning about making one percent gains. You know, you can make thirty-seven percent gain in, in one year versus down to zero if you went one percent negative. And here, you kind of hear this reoccurring theme. He said, if you start with a hundred dollars, a fifty percent gain will take you to one hundred and fifty bucks. But you mm-hmm. only need a thirty-three percent loss to take you back to a hundred. You know, and so right. it's it, it's it's avoiding the thirty-three percent loss. You know, is just as valuable as achieving a fifty percent gain. So that, just like you said, like you just got to get back in the set. You got to get right back up and, and get after it. Like don't don't let it spiral out of control um, because you can definitely find yourself moving in the wrong direction. Well, and every time you do fulfill the the goal that you set, or as you're achieving the uh, habits that you want to have, he talks about casting votes for the type of person you want to be. And so every time you check one of those boxes, you're voting for yourself to be that person that you desire to be uh, at some point in time. Yeah. And so I know that there's there, there's some other parts to this book, too. He got, just like, I don't know, I just kind of grouped it as like the advanced tactics and just he has other things that he talks about beyond these these four laws as he tries to kind of 
bring things um, together, you know, um, some of the things that stood out to me, and then I don't know the other things that stood out to you was, he talks about some questions to ask yourself on your habits, you know, um, you know, like what, you know, to get started, like what, what feels like fun to me, but maybe work to others, you know, or, or what makes me lose track of time, or where do I get greater returns than the average person, and I, these to me were, I thought were really powerful questions, I think about my own children, um, just to have them like, do we even truly even know ourselves well enough to, to be able to identify what are the habits that we want to improve? You know, what are the habits that maybe we want to think about trying to have less of? Because I think sometimes we're like, have we even taken the time to truly know ourselves? Um, and to me, I thought this was, was a really powerful section. Even though it was at the end of the book, I almost feel like that's where you need to start. You know, I, I think about my kids, like if I want them to think about making you know their own atomic habits like when's the last time they've really kind of processed who they are and maybe what they consider themselves to be good at and and where do they lose time when they're involved in stuff and so i didn't know at the end of this book was there anything that stood out to you beyond those four laws because i know there's more to it than that but i uh, I didn't know if there was anything that 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 really you gravitated to at at the end yeah i I really enjoyed those last few chapters where he was talking about find out what what you like to do and set your goals around that. So you're not, you know, I'm not going to be um, a marathon runner. I don't enjoy marathon running, but I love to walk. And you know, I, I put on my shoes and go for a walk any day that the weather's not bad. So that's something that if I'm going to uh, set goals for, I need to be looking at areas that, that I really enjoy doing. Another thing that stood out from this last part, he talked in here about the Goldilocks effect. I referred to it as flow and, you know, being in education and, and I can't pronounce the guy's um, last name that uh, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. The flow guy. <laughs> yep. Yes. That guy. Yes. <laughs> it, it's like if you can get in the flow, then you really don't, you know, you're, you're enjoying what you're doing and it's not work and it's not feeling like, Oh, I've got this habit that I have to do because I'm trying to check boxes. No, you're, you're loving your life and you're enjoying what you're doing. So yes. Appreciated uh, what he talked about in those last few chapters, and a couple more things here. Um, when the author was in college, he designed his own major, and from an education standpoint, I think that's so wonderful to think you could be in college and you can can outline here's what I'm interested in, here's the things that I want to excel in, and be able to create the career path that you want not just check the boxes for what somebody has decided needs to be completed in order for you to have that career or to, to uh, have a career in an area that interests you. And I, I really see not just um, from what he uh, wrote about here in the book, but I can see that from a trend in the future of people having a little more control over what they, how, how they educate themselves to be successful in the world that they're going to live in. Yeah. Yeah. And it reminds me a lot too of, um, I was just listening to a podcast with Ryan Holiday and Tim Ferriss, and they were talking. Ryan Holiday was talking about um, how he dropped out of college, and so he went in. It was like, "What do I need to fill out if I'm dropping out of college?" And they just looked at him like, "Well, nothing." You know, like there's just yeah. like, and and they they spent a lot of time on this, and it really resonates with what you're saying. This idea, like, like we're gonna make these decisions, and like we are in charge of our life, and like like they were talking about, like he left college, but it 
in his brain in the brains of so many people when we make a decision or if we make a mistake or whatever it might be we think it's so permanent where he was like you know it took his i think it was like his father or someone that that part i could have wrong said like you know you can always go back to college whenever you want you know so like it's not like like none of our decisions are ever like completely permanent you know and i think that's that's so important especially when we think about the the future of especially education as we get into more competency based education and personalized learning like you have the power to create the pathways that you want and i think so many times we don't think we truly have that as an opportunity we feel like we're stuck with whatever the system wants to give us and it's just like you you do have control like you do have a say because it is your life and there are ways to make it happen if you truly want to make it happen and you know i think today it's that's more true than it ever has been in history that if i am interested in something and i want to learn about it I don't necessarily have to go to a school or to a college or to a university to learn about that. I have access to YouTube. I have access to all of these um, to, to websites. I have access to books and I can go through the content of that and get myself to a point that I can, can um, find gainful employment because I've educated myself. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's, it's so true. Yeah. I think just like you said, like, I don't know that, 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 that's always been the case, but it definitely is the case in this day and age. I mean, the amount of stuff that we can, we have access to, I mean, information is easily accessible. Now it's just a matter of what are we going to do with it? Are we going to stay passive with it? Or are we going to move into action with the opportunities that, that we actually have, you know, all around us, basically at our fingertips, you know, with mm-hmm. our phones and all, all our devices. And so, you know, as, as we kind of think through the last kind of final steps here, I want to be respectful of, of your time. And even though I could, you and I could talk probably books for, for days on end, you know, as, as we think big picture of this book, um, um, you know, as, as we were looking through this, like, did, did you enjoy the book? And more importantly, as I phrase that, like the idea of has it made any sort of impact in your life or do you foresee it making an impact in your life? Because I guess as, as I read more and more books, there's books I'm like, oh, that, that, that was a good read. But now I want to get to the point where like, I need a book that's going to help like not just change my thinking, but move me into making changes like, in, in my life as well. And so what, what were your overall thoughts of this book? You know, were there things that stood out to you that you've been able to implement, um, you know, or, or maybe some of your, your uh, biggest takeaways? This is definitely an enjoyable book. And as I said earlier, one that I will likely uh, read again in the future. I felt that it was one of the more actionable books. A lot of times I read books that is, they have a lot of interesting ideas, but they don't necessarily tell you how to put them into action. I felt that he did a really nice job of not just the theory behind why we do things that we do, but giving you practical steps of here, if, if this is what you're going through, do this and then this and then this, you know, the, the habit stacking and the um, putting things that you need to do on top of things that you already do. And uh, there's just a lot of things that he had in the book that help an individual who's trying to become who they want to be in the future to take the steps today to get to where they want to be in the future. Yeah. And, and, and for those listening that have listened this far in the show notes, I will have links. I've been going through and, and gathering his blog is just a, a wealth of resources, but, um, 
what I like about this book too is he gives ideas, but he has the templates for everything. And so he's got links to the habit loop and he's got the habit scorecard template and he's got the habit stacking template. And I mean, there's just all these things that he talks about in the book that are freely available. And so these are many tools that I've been, as I've been reading this book again, um, printing off and, and trying to figure out how they apply and how they can help me. And so we'll definitely make sure those downloads and templates get, get, get embedded into the show notes. And I would agree with you. This is a book that kind of helped me move into action and kind of like the, the book we read before the, the happiness advantage was very much the same way. Like this whole thing of like, it wasn't like, Hey, let's just feel good. But like, here are things that you can go try like right now. Um, okay. And so I think, this is what, what what makes this book so powerful. And for me in my office, as I'm trying to eliminate two bookshelves of books, but I'm and I'm building out a new shelf on the wall um, for the books that are essential books that I'll read again. Um, and this book is going to make the cut and actually like make it to that that new shelf. And so um, it's the first one of the year that that's making it over. So I agree. To me, it is a a book worth keeping and uh, definitely checking out from time to time just to kind of brush up on your your skills and your habits and, 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 and all that good stuff as we're trying to figure out how to lead, you know, a uh, better life. So I would challenge any of the listeners to apply the, the two-minute rule, show up, go to jamesclair.com and sign up for his newsletter and takes a, a few minutes every week when that newsletter drops into your inbox to apply the practical things that he will send to you. Yes, and I'm so glad you brought that up because that that is such a wonderful newsletter. Uh, he's got that new structure, that three, two, one structure. It doesn't take mm-hmm. much to read. And right. I have actually, I have a folder for it because he has so many incredible, every time I read, I'm like, that's a good quote. That's a good quote. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, um, after I just spent all of the end of 2019, like unsubscribing from all these newsletters and things that I, I just never use. And his is one. Um, I kept about 20 of them and that is so far, like it's, it's, it's one of the best ones out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. So, so as we wrap this up, Nancy, are there any final thoughts, anything we didn't share about the book that you want to make sure the listeners get, get, get a hold of, or do you think we've, we've knocked it out of the park here? I think we've knocked it out of the park, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be part of your show today, Aaron. It's a, a great podcast to listen to, and I'm glad to be part of it. Well, thank you for joining. I'm, I'm, I was so excited when you reached out and said you're willing to come share and talk about books. I'm like, all right. <laughs> My good friend Nancy, we, we always talk books when we do get a chance to uh, connect in person, which is always at least once a year um, yeah. for the most part. And so it was good to actually bring this uh, conversation for others to listen to. And, and for those that are listening, there's opportunities in, in, in the links in the show notes for you to respond and, and, and share your own insights and thoughts if you read the book and, and want us to uh, be aware aware of what you were thinking and uh, Nancy I can't thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your schedule to uh, talk with me all right Aaron have a great day thank you